Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, Heal Squad. Welcome back. It's going to be a great day. We're going to make it a great day together. And today we have an incredible guest. We'll start with our quote of the day. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I love that quote. I don't know who it's by, but it's one of my favorites. I just want to welcome any of our new listeners here to the Heal Squad. This is what we do here every day. We are trying to heal. We're trying to get better in all areas of life. And we're doing it together. If you haven't joined our Patreon, we go deeper And we have a really cool community. Uh, We meet up once a month and we have incredible guests from the show that come lead us through um, a session. And so for $10 a month, you get ad-free shows, you get access to these incredible events every month where we come together on Zoom and we get to see each other and you get to interact with the guest uh, and so much more. So we'll leave a link to that in the summary of this episode. Of course, Macy's is a huge sponsor of the show. They've been with us for a very long time. And uh, I have my curated list of my favorite items from Macy's.com at Macy's.com backslash heel squad. Anything you get from there helps us here on the show. So if you have something for your next event, uh, next summer barbecue, I've got all kinds of things chosen there that you guys will love. I kind of use it as my, my wish list. Every so often I'll go through the website, I'll find things I love and I'll put it on there. And then when I need stuff, I know I can go there and it's saved. So um, I will uh, put a link to that in the summary of this episode. Also a link to leave us a review. We really, really live for those reviews. So please let us know how this show is impacting you. Our guest today, Molly Fink, is a remarkable individual who has defied the odds and turned her personal journey into a force of transformation. She was born deaf, and her extraordinary path led her to become a regressive hypnotherapist, guiding others on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Today, Molly showcases the incredible potential 
of the human spirit. You are going to love hearing her story and you're going to love the journey that got her to her work. And then you're going to want to do her work because I already want to do it with her too. Take a listen. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to your work now as a regression, is it regression hypnotherapist? Regressive hypnotherapist, yes. Okay. Um, Because I think your story is really cool and obviously filled with so many windy, challenging roads. Yes. Um, So I can give you, do you want the long version or the short version? I'll do the medium version. Okay. Because I'm so excited (laughs) to get into your work, but I want people to have a foundation for where you came from and and what kind of led you here. Sure. So I'll really start at the beginning. Um, it was amazing, actually. I was in a Reiki massage, a Reiki, excuse me. And um, I had this moment. I started crying. And she was like, are you okay? Because, you know, it's so painful. And I said, no, it was illuminating. She, I was able to see with crystal clarity how every moment of my life had led me to becoming who I was in that moment. It happened about a year and a half ago. And Whoa. it was really profound for me. Um, and it really just solidified every trauma I've ever had has led me to being the best at what I do. Um, and so I was born with a 93% hearing loss. Um, and my parents, my dad actually, um, they were told to put me in a home. Um, in Missouri, people did not. I mean, I think it wasn't until, I want to say the early 2000s that they even made it mandatory to get a hearing test. So wow. I wasn't, I was two years old when I got diagnosed. Um, my mother just kept saying there's something wrong with her. And this wasn't in like the 40s. No. Like you're young. Yeah, 83. So yeah. they wanted to put you in a home? Yeah, they were just like, she's going to be deaf and dumb loss. and just put in a home and she'll have a great life. Wow. And my dad was like, absolutely not. She's the youngest of my four children. And to this day, my parents are kind of convinced this was an angel. A nurse actually ran in. They went back to find her. They never could um, and gave my parents a small piece of paper. And on it, it said, Sister Arlene, who was a nun. It's funny. I actually have a tremendous affinity for nuns. And I think they get a little bit freaked out because... People take them very seriously, but I get like so excited when I see them. I'm Jewish. And so they're always like, why is she so excited to see us? Uh, I spent my childhood with a nun, Sister Arlene. Uh, she worked with St. Joseph's and she had a philosophy that if you teach, teach children through hours and hours and hours of speech, oral speech, they will fully integrate into the community. And so she trained me, but it was really my dad. He manifested a reality in which I could supersede science. Um, It's scientifically almost impossible to achieve the level of hearing and the interaction that I have with human beings. Um, But I've done it. And my dad really, for him, it was, of course, this would happen. And so that was really the first leg of my journey of someone or my father believing in me and manifesting a reality that the world told him was not possible. So what did you do to get to this place where we're having a conversation? I don't see hearing aids. Do you have hearing aids on? And hours of therapy. Um, But also just thank God is intelligence. I mean, my mom, funnily enough, years later was sitting on um, an airplane and she happened to be sitting next to the dean of the auditory program at Washington University and she was just laughing and saying, you know, why can't more people be like my daughter? And then the dean really broke it down for my mom and said, there's an incredible, like so many factors, but also intellect is a huge one. So thank God, um, you know, with intellect, with hours of therapy and Sister Arlene, um, she really, she looked, I remember when I saw Cinderella for the first time, 
And I saw the fairy godmother and I said to my parents, she looks, that looks exactly like Sister Arlene. And they started cracking up because that's exactly what she looked like. Um, just, again, when people believe in an alternate reality, mm. you enter that bubble. And so I was really blessed to have two people that really believed in something that was just completely outside the scope, but actually built a world for me to exist in that realm. So... I'm going to go back to this. Yeah. Are you wearing hearing aids? I'm wearing hearing aids in both ears. I can't hear without You are? Them. Yeah. Okay. I'm completely deaf without my hearing aids. My husband actually, I have a three-year-old daughter. Um, when she was born, I was freaking out because I was like, I can't wear my hearing aids all the time. They, the moisture has to get sucked out. So he rigged my entire house. Um, like we have twinkle lights all over the place. He removed all them because she's older now. But when she would cry, if I was in a different room, there would be twinkle lights that would go off. It was really, it was very magical. It was really, wow. it was amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Yes. So, but even with 93% hearing loss, yes. even with hearing aids, you shouldn't be okay. I hear about 73% with hearing aids, but what Sister Arlene really trained me to do was she would stand behind me for hours. And so in the beginning, I would, right, you would say like, hi, Molly. And I would hear, hello, monster. And she would say, hello, monster, not an option, right? So work back and think about all the possibilities of what they could have said to you. And so over time, I am now, my brain's actually moving faster than you're talking. So for instance, like when I was in college and I started my first uh, biology class, I, I after the first day, I was like, you have to prepare before every class. I, I could not understand half the words my teacher was saying. I didn't know what he was saying. Because they come in a different form. Completely and then different. you're having to think of yes, the possibilities that's exactly right. of what he could be saying, Correct. what he could be saying. Yes. That's intense. <laughs> so it was just, I had to completely restructure I remember being like sitting in a class and people just furiously taking notes and being like, I don't, I think I know what he said, but that doesn't, I don't know what he actually just said. Here's the thing that's crazy is it's hard enough when you can hear the do <laughs> the, the teacher to understand what the heck they're saying. Now you're having to put the pieces together and yeah. try to figure out if he's saying cytokine or, you like know. Mitochondria. I remember mitochondria. mitochondria. I remember him saying mitochondria and being like, I don't know what he's saying right now. I will look up that word later. What did you think he was saying? Do I, I don't even remember. I just remember knowing it was not the right word, like instinctively. And so depending on how tired I am, other things, you know, my obviously your brain capacity just diminishes. Um, and so, but it's just been years of training myself over and over again, um, which is why, you know, funnily enough, Frasier is probably one of my favorite shows of all time because they always did what... You really didn't think it was going to come next. Um, and it for me, I'm just naturally guessing what comes next. So it's hard to make me laugh. But that show would just like, they would come up with the most random next thing. I remember I actually was on a treadmill once and I fell off. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> hey, people like at the gym were like, are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> just so unexpected. Um, but Wasn't there something Natasha was telling me that um, someone told you to put your hands on someone's throat and feel the vibration? Oh, yeah. So that was part of it. My mother said, I was talking and she said, after they told her it all made sense, I she would hold me as a baby and I would grab her face and grab her throat whenever she was talking and I would not allow her to move because I couldn't hear the sound, but I knew something was happening. And so should I was like holding her face and her throat as hard as I possibly could to figure out what was going on. Wow. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. What a journey. Yeah. So that was. And what a miracle. And we talk about things like this on the show all the time. Like yeah. Dr. Joe Dispenza, are you familiar with him? Of course. So he's teaching us yes. to believe in a realm of possibility that exactly right. we can't see. It's it's no different than believing in God. That's we don't exactly get to right. see God. That's exactly But right. we believe in God. Yes. Um, or some of us do. Yes. So it's the same thing. Like it's, how, yeah. how amazing that your dad and this. Yes. Nurse who gave you Sister yes. Arlene. Yes. Um, okay. So from there, yes. You um, at some point, yes. So I went into regular schools. I was something called an FM system, which was um. I remember my teachers only had the power to turn it off, so they would go to the bathroom sometimes. I'd be like, turn it off, turn it off, you know. Um. Or like one of my really good friends, Ruth, she would always get in trouble, and I'd look at her and be like. They're in the principal's office right now. You're about to get in really big trouble. <laughs> uh, so I had like an FM system. I went through regular schooling. Uh, and then I hit college. I was actually the president of my student body. Um, and then, so, I mean, my parents, first and foremost, all of my other siblings are academic rock stars. And my parents, uh, deaf children, they get the jokes about a minute too late. Uh, and so... Right. So everyone starts laughing because it takes your brain that much longer to process what the person just said. And so by the time everybody else gets the joke, you just got it. And you're, you're the only one laughing out loud. Right. <laughs> and so it sounds like me when I'm at a comedy show. I'm the one who just is continuously laughing when no one else is. So it would be kind of no different. You and I would be laughing at the same time. 100%. So my parents very early on just backseated my education um, and made sure I was incredibly social. That was actually one of the. Unlike my, all my other siblings, obviously they wanted me to do well, but that was not the focus of the energy that so they put smart. into me. What did your parents do in life? Absolutely. So my mom is actually the first woman in the state of Missouri to open her own, own orthodontic practice. Wow. Yes. Uh, so that was really, she so went back to- a pioneer. Yes, absolutely. And my dad was really a Renaissance man. Um, he was the director of public works in Scranton, Pennsylvania. He helped Herb London run for governor in 1994. He literally just, he was hand down the smartest person I've ever met. He would just wake up and be like, I want to do this today. And then he would figure out a way to actually go and do it. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, dot com promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery, (laughs) you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show, or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Wow. Yes. Yeah. When when people have these different takes on things, I'm always curious what they did. And obviously your dad had that kind of brain. Yes. Um, that was different. And your mom had a strength and a and a you know. Yes. But it's it's interesting because it makes a lot of sense to prioritize the social because it would be so hard if you weren't able to be compatible with your your classmates and now you're just really getting isolated, right? So 100%. It it just makes it so much easier to to walk life because the other stuff will come. That's exactly what my parents figured. And you know, I was very black and white at that point in my life. Uh think there were I there were just no color. Uh I really saw things very very clearly. Um or I thought I did, I should say. And I would say my biggest, I was completely not judgmental except for one area. Um, I myself was saving myself for marriage and I felt that, but all my, my roommates, everybody's like, were not. Um, and I was 
always deeply bothered by it. And I don't want to say judgmental, but they definitely felt judgment from me. Um, and so it's one of those things that I know I always say to my clients, the universe tries softly and then at some point it has to roar, so to speak. Um, and so I was what in, yeah, I was in my fourth year of my doctor program. Um, I was dating someone very seriously um, and it ended in a violent sexual assault. Um, and I, I say my black became a rainbow. Uh, I pretty much lost my mind afterwards. Um, I could not, I would not leave my house. I cried all the time. Um, it was, it was, it like blew everything. I, I really believed or my relationship with God was one of, if I'm good, then I will be treated well. Right. Like mm -hmm. it, it was, it was one of those, like I'm saving myself a marriage. I'm good. So nothing bad will ever happen to me. And after that happened, I remember just thinking, God hates you. This this is the only conclusion you can come to. Like, you have been so good your whole life. I really, I was good, God, you, you know? This. Yeah, I don't deserve this. You're and saving yourself and then someone yes. takes it from you. Yes. And I really felt that God did not want to hear from me, that I had also somehow betrayed him, um, which is, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people who go through trauma, we internalize the blame instead of kind of saying this happened to me. Um, I didn't tell anyone. Uh, I just, my friend call it my purple snowman robe period. I wore this humongous purple snowman robe and just sat in my apartment for about 11 months and just cried all the time um, until wow. Fordham got in- It's a long time. Long time. Fordham got in touch with my family because they didn't know if I was dead. Like they just didn't know where I was, you know? Um, and so then my brother, my parents flew down to see me um, and they all just assumed that I had flunked out, that I was a terrible student and I was more than happy to ride that one because uh, that was my MO. You know, like I did okay and I, I did good in college, but I was not academic, right? Like I was the student body president. Like I was the person who had tremendous social capabilities. And yes, I always did well, but I was never like Molly's going to write an amazing thesis paper. Like that was not who I was. And so they just assumed... I had flunked out of boredom, couldn't face uh, the reality of what I was going through. And uh, I remember I was, I, was, I was broken. I literally, like my parents had just said to me, you're going to come home. We'll set up a room for you in the basement and you can just live there forever. I would have done it. I would have been like, great. But my mom said to me, she said, I think you should go to Israel. And I also, at that point in time, my brother offered me a job. He's a... Um, he deals in pain management. He's a neurosurgeon. And I remember it was Israel or the job. And my parents, after they said Israel, were like, also, like, maybe really should do the job. And I called my best friend. And I remember I was hysterical. I was screaming. Did your best friend know what happened? No. Oh, not even her? No. And I, I <laughs> You just, really told nobody. <laughs> no, I did not tell anyone. Um, and I, I remember I was hysterical. And I was saying, I, I need to go to Israel so badly, but my family really wants me to get a job. And she just said to me, go to Israel, everything else. From there, I I call it eat, pray, no love. Uh, I got in the best shape of my life, uh, ran around to the point where my mom came to visit and the most eligible bachelors in Israel and in Europe were like all my best friends because guys were not allowed to look at me. They were not allowed to touch me. And that's what an eligible bachelor wants. They don't, they want a girl that's actively not interested, mm -hmm. right? Like they want someone who really just wants to hang out with them and has no romantic interest, which was 100% me. Um, and so 
again, I was just going through, having a great time. Um, really, like, uh, one of my best friends in Israel, who also had a, funnily enough, a, a, it's funny how God kind of, well, not funny, but God really brings you somebody. So she also had been saving herself for marriage. Her fiancé, the week before her wedding, convinced her to sleep with him, and then she, he broke up with her the day before her wedding, picking up her own life. And so I knew her story. She didn't know mine. Um, and so... But we would just became really, really good friends. And so I'm telling you this is because I was, I went to a party and like talking about manifesting as a Jew, you wait your age your whole life, you're going to marry a Jew. But if I was ever going to step outside of that paradigm, it would be someone very tall, blonde hair, green eyes, like, and wore flannel. Like, that's all I know. Okay. And that guy showed up at the party. But again, I would just, totally not in that space yeah okay but for whatever reason he was like heavily pursuing me but again because when you're so not in a space i didn't even realize it to the point where i stayed to that party till about four o'clock in the morning and he said can i walk you home and i was like that is so nice and so he walked me home and then he kissed me and i remember i i literally shoved him back and i tears just started streaming on my face and i ran inside my house and I called my friend Rachel, who, and by the way, like, what, we were in our late 20s, so I don't know why she was up at four in the morning, but she was. And I was screaming into the phone. I was screaming. And she just said to me, you need to see a therapist. Like, I don't know what is going on, but you have to go see a therapist. And so I went to go see a therapist. I Not didn't tell her about she wants. right? Pardon? Not just any kind of therapist. It was a specific therapist. Right? Uh, Jane. She was amazing. She was just... Um, oh, she wasn't the regressive therapist. No, no, no. Oh, just okay. regular therapy. I went to Jane and I remember I casually slid it into conversation. I was like telling her story and then I was... I literally was like, yeah, and then I was sexually assaulted. I it was, And then she, it was like... She literally was like, wait, stop. Rewind. And then that was it. Um, She really helped me just acknowledge what had happened i told rachel um i maybe told one or two other people but i didn't tell anybody i just really hit it um and then i don't know why but fordham set my, i guess they sent my parents maybe they're doing a cleaning out i don't know what happened but for whatever reason my parents got all my transcripts i was a straight a student i was actually on the honor roll and then my dad called me and he was just like what is going on because something you, happened yeah you told everybody that um you flunked out we just got your transcripts so i told him i wouldn't tell him any names and he just said I mean, he was devastated but i i remember just saying to him at that point i was already such a better person like i i saw everybody as we're all just doing our best whereas before that experience i really did not see that I wanted to believe it but I didn't see it um and after that experience I really in my heart of heart when I meet another person no matter where you are you're just doing your best and I really believe that and so I really said to my dad and I knew it instinctively that that experience and again when I look back at my life there were other earlier experiences that the universe was trying to softly push and I just wasn't getting the message um and unfortunately sometimes you know uh the universe has to shake things up a bit. Um, and so I went through therapy and I thought I was really, I was doing great. I call it artificial popping, um, which is what I tell my clients, which is 
externally, you change everything, right? So you get in shape, you get a new job, you meet new friends. Life is phenomenal, but you don't actually change anything internally. So you're artificially popping yourself. So everything around you is amazing and you're just, you're doing great. Everything's amazing. Um, And then I married my husband. He, I actually told him, I remember I told him about a month in, I just wanted to let him know that I was, I knew I was going to marry him or I, I hoped I would. And I just wanted him to know that I was I, at that point, I felt that I was, you know, damaged or whatever. Um, and I remember he said to me, that's it. That's all. Because I, I had made it sound so bad. You're like, I didn't know what it was going to be. Like, I'm, he was so relieved that that was, that was it, <laughs> um, which I was laughing and very grateful for. Um, and so married my husband. Uh, as you know, marriage is very hard. Uh, I always tell people, um, what's that? movie with Keanu Reeves. I can never, it's uh, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. He, did you ever see it? Um, I don't remember. I'll just give you a quick synopsis because it plays out here. Essentially, um, Al Pacino is like the devil or something, but he has the largest law firm in the world. And so once you sign the paper though, you become a demon. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to get Keanu Reeves into the law firm. And basically as it goes along, they find out that, so I, that's why I tell people marriage is like, Everyone's like, sign the paper. And then, like, <laughs> you sign it, they'll, like, rip off their math. And they're like, surprise, it's not as great as you think it is. But, yeah. like, so, like, obviously, my husband of a marriage is very difficult. Um, And that was when I started noticing my artificial popping was sliding. But I was still at a point where I was like, I'm great. I got this. Everything's amazing. And then I had my daughter. My dad died six months later. And mm -hmm. I just, I was not actually postpartum, but I had a very horrible postpartum experience and I just I remember going to the funeral and I was back in Israel my dad got buried in Israel so you're talking about people who knew me in my heyday like who met me when I was I had artificially popped myself to the nth degree like I was I was a superstar um and I was I was I could barely string sentences together I was crying all the time and I just remember thinking to myself and the other thing was, I remember being like, oh, my God, you can't fake it. Dad is here. He knows. Because before, it was, I would have conversations, be like, everything's great. It's awesome. But he's dead. He's just watching you, like, all the time. He knows what's up. Um, and I remember just being like, oh, my God, you, ha you have to figure this out. And so I went back to therapy. Was not effective in the way that I wanted it to be. And I just kept putting it out there. And a random friend of mine said, why don't you try regressive hypnotherapy? And I said, what is that? I'm so open. Like, I'll try anything once. I've gone bungee jumping. You name it, I've done it. Um, Friends, if you're listening, regressive hypnotherapy is what she does and yes. what we're going to teach you about today. Correct. And so I went to a regressive hypnotherapist and I, I told her about my sexual assault. And it was the most life-changing experience. She essentially... um. You go back to the experience, and I have since created my own form of this, but what she did with me specifically was we actually went back in time to the memory, and she had me go in as me now, as me in that room, and take myself after the assault. I, it was on like a recl reclining chair. She actually had me take myself off of the chair and quickly explain to myself who I was. And then myself then, we had to start digging together. Obviously, you know, this whole thing's made up. So 
the floor with dirt and she said, just start digging. And I remember I was digging with myself and we're digging, we're digging, we're digging. And you're also, under hypnosis at this point. You're just in a very relaxed state. Okay. Hypno I will hypnosis is suggestibility. What I do, there's zero suggestibility. Um, so like for instance, I once I'm gonna just pause here for a second. I once did hypnosis because I really want to know. I was trying to do it for something, and this is actually to the day it makes me laugh. I remember I was like, this was when I was depressed. I was in sweatpants, I hadn't showered in like four days. And I came out of the hypnosis, and this is what my, from everything she said, this is what my brain took out of it. You are the most beautiful person you have ever seen. I remember I, I got up and I was like, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, that didn't help at all. Like, thank you so much. But like, I remember I ran to the bathroom and I was like, this is really weird. That's <laughs> but, funny. Yeah, that was a suggestibility that actually came. But wow. what I, I think do everybody is, could use a little I, of that, 100%, right? 100%. Like, literally, everything she said, it was like practical application of what my brain should do. My brain was like, forget all that. We're just going to tell you you're so beautiful and you don't have to work on anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like that. There should be centers where people can go in every day and just feel that feeling. Hundred percent, right? What yes. better drug? It's the best. It was. It was. I remember it because it was such a contrast. And when I went in the beginning, I was just downtrodden, and then I just woke up like I'm wow. stunning. Okay, I want to do some more <laughs> hypnosis work. But you ended up going to the regressive. Yes, it was so a light. A light state. Yes. And so at any point, you could be like, oh, my phone's ringing. You're okay. not, there's no, there's no suggestibility and nothing is shut down. And so. You're digging. Pardon? You were digging. I was digging. And she, the woman who is kind of leading me through, she says to me, oh my gosh, you, there's a box. And so I was like, okay. And so I dug a little bit more just because you want to make it real. Um, And so I remember she said, open the box. And so. At that point, I instinctively understood that I was kind of, that I was supposed to move back and myself and my memory was supposed to continue doing whatever was going on. So then it kind of became me then digging. Um, and she, the woman said to me, did you open the box? And I said, yes. And she said, what's inside? But I remember being like, I don't know, like, what's inside? And she said to me, unconditional love and hope is inside the box. Every time I say it, I, I uh, start to cry. Um, and she said to me, it's yours. Uh, you can just pick it up and hold it. And it was, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. And uh, I I walked out literally truly feeling hopeful and unconditional loved for myself that I had not felt in what at that point. 10 years. Wow. Yeah. One session. Yeah. It was really, it was life-changing. So then I went back to her and I was like, this is it. I, I want to do this. And she just said, you have, this is really, um, there's a level of other in this, what I do. And it's really not made for most people. And What's I, a level of other mean? So a level of other means you're able to connect with people in a space other than just talking to them. I um, mean, so going back uh, in that Reiki experience, for instance, what I realized, I had actually left my body. I remember floating out of it and watching myself when the sexual assault happened. I, I like actually have a third eye view of it to this day. Like I, I remember leaving it and just 
watching myself and the whole thing happened. And my current journey right now is fighting to get back in my body. So for instance, when I had my daughter, um, the nurse told me afterwards, they put down bets because they induced me and they said in the history of the hospital, no one had ever gone through a natural labor with the amount of medication and pain that I was going through, but I absolutely wanted a natural childbirth. And I didn't realize till afterwards it was because I never, I wasn't in my body. I just, I had never fully returned oh. in, back into me. Um, and so the journey that I'm currently on now is getting fully back into my body. But the cool part of it is I am able to kind of, I, I sound a little bit crazy, but I'm able to connect with people in a different way because I don't feel like I'm fully trapped in here. I feel like we're all one. And if you can connect with another person in that space of oneness and go outside of yourself, they're just you. You're all mirrors of each other. Wow. And so it just, that's it. So when she said the other, I was like, I know what you're talking about. And I naturally, that experience gave me the other. It's like when people die and they talk about, they go to this other place. That's all it is. It's just, you see Beyond. Yes, that's it. But beyond is really just here. We're all in it together. You're just one giant mush. Um, and so she gave me a couple of exercises to do, and I had to report back to her what happened when I did the stuff. And I came back, and she said, you absolutely have it. Then she trained me, um, and then I went and got uh, certified in, in hypnotherapy just because the relaxation process is very important and you have to be able to access people's subconscious. And so that was what happened. And then I really went off and created my own version of what she had taught me um, because I liked it, but I wanted less and more at the same time um, to really be able to heal people. Because for instance, I, I had clients who came to me and said, I'm not good at imagining things, right? Like I happen to be you tell me to fly somewhere, I can go there in my mind, right? But some people have a very hard time visualizing. So how do you help them? And so that really became my journey of every single person that walks into my door, I should be able to help. How can I help that person? Mm. And so that's really where I've come to. And also, for anyone watching this, uh, I don't do past lives. And it's funny, I went to um, in regressive neurotherapy. A lot of people do past lives. And so I went to, there's a Hebrew word, it's a makubal. Trying to think what the English word is. Um, they are people who have a tremendous connection to God and can really see things that most people can't see. And so he said to me specifically, "You can't do path lives off the table." And I remember thinking, "That's interesting." He didn't say, "Don't do it," or like it's weird, like. He was very adamant. He said to me, everything you need is in this lifetime. And it stuck with me for years until I had one client, um, very stoic woman, older. You name me any trauma that you've been through, it's all happened to her in one shot. Like her life story is insane, but she couldn't access a basic emotion. It was the weirdest thing. Like it was, it was a void almost. And I, remember just being like, this doesn't make any sense. And I was, all of a sudden I was watching um, actually a lecture about crows and the crows don't bury their dead. That's actually why they're considered cruel, cruel birds. Because wow. um, all other animals, they, they give a proper burial, whatever that means. But, but crows, if you're, they just fly away. They have no desire 
to try and bury their dead. And for some reason, something just went off in my brain. And I remember I called her and I said, we need to do a session. I'll do it for free. I think I'm on to something. And she said, okay. And so I called her the next day and I said, you told me when you were in your early 20s that you do you did a past life regression, yes? And she said, yeah. And I said, this is why he said we can't do past lives. Everything you do, even the conversation we're having, is an energetic exchange. When you go into a past life and take something, you have to leave something behind. And so I went back with her and we got it. It was crazy. I've never had her cry in a single session. She was she was sobbing uncontrollably and she, she felt left it. her emotions back. She there. left that one emotion. You don't you, it's an exchange. She didn't do it on purpose, but you have to exchange. Oh, excuse me. There's Almost a natural like to exchange. be able to go back, you have to exchange. That's exactly right. Everything you do is an energetic exchange. Oh. And that's why you can't do past lives. Because what he's saying to you is in going back to that past life, you're creating an energetic exchange that is outside of this realm. And so you can do it, but then you have to give something out. Wow. So Brian Weiss, I, I interviewed him years and years ago. Uh, he had written Many Lives, Many Masters. Of course. He does past lives regressions. Yes. So does he know that you have to leave something behind? I'm so curious. I don't know. It was just something, you know, in my religion, I, I follow my path, right? Like he might say, I I do this so people don't have to leave something behind. But when he, that Makubal told me that, I took that very seriously. You know, for me, that's... that's uh, right? Like there's a chain of command, like that's a direct order, right? Like got it, direct order, noted. Um, That's not to say for him, you know what I'm saying? What he does, he might have a different methodology, but yeah. for myself, it was, it became crystal clear. And I tested out on her and it was, it just made so much sense. I mean, I, I've made that up. I haven't read that anywhere, but life is energy. That's all it is. And so if you're going and taking energy from a different realm or different source, then you're creating a vacuum. Something has to fill it. But what about going into the future? Manifesting? Mm. Well, here's the cool part. Uh, do you ever read uh, Stephen King, The Langoliers? No. It's one of my favorite books. So it's about these people that get trapped in like a weird time space where they are literally, time becomes stale, like to the point where like time actually starts getting eaten up, right? The future is all possibilities. The future is energy and infinite potential. But it had not been created yet. And that's why the future is literally the greatest vacuum you could ever imagine. That's what manifesting is. It's the ability to put any and all possibilities out there and put in anything that you desire. However, there are those that say past, like Anita Morjani. Are you familiar with Anita? Yes. I've had her on the show before too. When when she died and went to the other side, she said past and future were all happening at the same time. That's exactly right. So you're going to talk about quantum physics for a second, right? Yeah. So for instance, you just moved your hands, but actually there are cells over there. But your perception of reality, right, you and I looking at each other and determining that you are in fact over here, denies the fact that there are cells over there, yes? And so what she's saying is accurate, that past, present, future are all intertwined. Yes. But what ends up happening is, unlike the past, which has already been defined by your perception... Ah, that's the key. Yes. Okay. You haven't perceived it yet, and therefore... you. So even though it's happened, we exactly haven't seen it correct. yet. And here's the thing, it hasn't happened, it's your... Right? It's your vision of what you perceive to be. All possibilities are infinite. It's your interpretation of that reality that makes it as it is. Wow. That's so cool. Yes. So you got into this work and explain a little bit about your process with people, how you work. With sure. Them. So, um, but you're also I, a coach. Like you've blended yes, yes. two different kind of Correct. things. So I do uh, co active coaching, which is. Um, 
So, you know, you start out and I was like, oh my gosh, regressive nerve therapy is amazing. So there were a couple of problems. Number one, people got heavily addicted, like heavily. Like I, have, I would have clients just because you get to go to a place where you get to be anything you want and literally create a different life for yourself. But what I started to realize is although we're healing the trauma, there's a root reason that trauma happened to you. Trauma is the universe asking you to heal yourself. That's all trauma is. And it's saying, what is the original problem that was created? So myself, right, I developed very early. Um, and since I was about 11 years old, I I never had a look. I finally had the look that men my age are attracted to. But men 40 and older thought I was like the most, though I was getting hit on by my friend's dads. But no guys my age thought I was attractive, ever. At 11. At 11. Okay. But I literally, I would have my friend's father saying stuff to my dad. Um, and so at a very young age, I became very aware of sexuality and I was very uncomfortable with it. And so that was my root trauma, right? And so fast forward, I'm saving myself for marriage, all these other things. But, and while those things were nice, when I go back, they were not cemented from a place of deep right? Like love and religious wanting. It was cemented from a place of fear and needing to control outside factors, right? And so when my client came to me and I we would go and heal the trauma, and let me just clarify, trauma can be a capital T, which is a sexual assault, a lowercase t. Life is trauma, right? Like growing up with your parents, even if you're in a healthy family, there's always lowercase t trauma. Um, and so my clients would come and say, can we heal this? But then Two months later, something similar would happen. And I was like, well, if we healed you, then the trauma shouldn't be reoccurring again. Which made me realize I have, we have to go back to the initial source. Why is the trauma happening? And we have to heal you from the initial trauma. And then it should never happen again. Is that what you found have yes. it didn't happen anymore? No. So how do you get to that source? Right. And so that's really what that's I... a lot of investigating. Yeah. That's what I created with my clients. Um, and that's really what I've created. And it's funny, again, since I was a really little girl, I my dad used to make me read Sherlock Holmes, mystery novels, movies. I always had to... He would figure it out within minutes. When I tell you, I remember I was like, I'm going to get him Unusual Suspects. He recognized Kevin Spacey's voice. Sorry if you haven't seen it. I just ruined the movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he... Recognized Kevin Spacey's voice in the opening scene. And he was like, what do you mean it's Kevin Spacey? And I was like, what? Like, nobody gets this movie. You're blown away in the last scene. And so I've been trained since I was a child. You have to figure out the ending. And I remember the movie Looper. But that was even with vocabulary. Yes. Yeah. I remember the movie Looper. And I remember, like, about 25 minutes into the movie, leading over to my friend and telling her the entire ending of the movie. And her being mm -hmm. like, what? Yeah. And then I think that comes also from potentially being in lots of dangerous situations. For me, I can predict everything. Right. So I'll tell my husband and he's like, how the hell do you know whether we're in a business meeting and I'm like, oh, this guy's going to do X, Y, and Z, or I'm watching a movie or a TV show. Yes. I can predict everything that's happening. I know the words to songs that are brand new that come on the radio. Yep. I can just tap right in. Yep. And so, but I think that comes from a place of, Tremendous You've, trauma. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're yeah. talking about somebody who has a 93% hearing loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, since I was a little girl. Yeah, you had a 
be afraid. You had to you had to anticipate yes. is that person going to hurt me? Am That's I going to exactly get hurt right. crossing the street? Yes. It's tremendous yeah. trauma. Tremendous yeah. trauma. And so, yeah, and so now it had really given me the ability to when my client come to me, um like I had a client who he's a 50, he's had insomnia since I think he was 7, 7 or 9, I can't remember. Has not slept since he was 9 years old. Or has, but right, not to the degree with which he would like. And a friend of mine uh, who worked with him was like, she is going to heal you. And I remember thinking, pressure. <laughs> that, yeah. So he came and we really just started going. And Sorry, again, guys, Winnie's being very bratty. She's <laughs> wanting to either play with you or she's just being a brat. Sorry, in case nobody knew she was here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see her. But if you're listening, I didn't really announce her. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, please. Um, so I remember human beings we think were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I remember when economics decided by the human beings are, in fact, all rational. Everything has to make sense. So when someone telling me a story, if it doesn't make sense, you're either lying to me, you're lying to yourself, or there's a piece of information that you don't have, right? But human beings are just giant. I always tell people, it was your mom in the closet and she she hit you with a chandelier, right? Like everything has to add up. And so when people start giving me information, it can only be a finite number of options. So mm -hmm. with this client, for instance, he started telling me about his family and his life and the way he described his father was not possible. The man he described could not exist. Right? Talk about Too a vacuum. perfect? No. Oh. By virtue of having certain personality and certain uh, character traits, you cannot embody others. Two things cannot coexist at one time. Do you understand? If someone's like aggressive and loud, they're not going to be really sweet and quiet. Mm. Right? If someone's really afraid, they're not going to go and pick up hitch hitchhikers on the road. Right? Those two things cannot coexist. So if you describe someone who is tremendously fearful all the time, but run, runs around and picks up hitchhikers and tries to give them rides, the, that person cannot exist or they're just schizophrenic, right? Mm -hmm. But it, those two things cannot exist together. And so what happened over time was, and the other thing is, once I figure out what your trauma is, if you haven't figured it out, I will, I will lead you there, but I will not tell you. Um, and so I remember he called me about three months in and he said, when did you figure it out? And I, I said, I figured it out probably about a month ago. And he said, I called my mother and she verified it. And I said, I'm really sorry. His father had been sexually assaulting him and he blocked the whole thing out. Wow. And he created two, right? Two different people. Two different people. And his mother never told, like they all knew, no one told him. They just hoped that he would just never, and he, yeah, and he just stopped sleeping. Wow. Yeah. This is like, it's funny. I've done some hypnotherapy, but it's not like this. No. And um, this is really, sounds like so healing. It is. I mean, that was really, I spent my entire life wanting real healing for myself. And people just saying to me, life is hard, right? Like, you can't heal. And I was like, that's. That is unreasonable and that's not fair. We we are all here here to heal. And I tell my clients, that doesn't mean that life isn't painful, right? Babies cry. Pain is a basic and fundamental emotion. So if you experience something that's incredibly painful, 100%. We're not here to be stoic and just be like, oh, everything's amazing all the time. Yeah. But you are not here to have triggers, get angry, right? 
fearful, all those other emotions. No, you should be able to exist in a life where you feel your emotions and then they pass through you and you move on. And that that's life. That's what that is the goal for me. Have you ever had <clears throat> a client that you weren't able to heal? One. Um, but and I Do I they not want to heal? Well, yeah, well, she didn't want to heal, but it's and I realized this for my own self. I could not heal in a way that I I always say my dad's greatest gift to me was passing. Um I couldn't he was so much larger than I was. And he if I had told him about regressive no therapy, he would have laughed in my face. I mean, you're talking about a man that needed scientific evidence for everything and had a perfect photographic memory. So had also read everything there was to read. So you would say something and he would say back to you, I read that already, and that's factually incorrect. Right? <laughs> like and so Regressive neurotherapy is, or when I started out, was just this like esoteric, I don't know where I'm going, but it's going to be amazing type of thing um, that he just would have grounded me in a way that I, I would not, I would have been afraid to take off. And so one of my clients who came to me, her father is world famous and arguably one of the greatest minds of the 20. Second, uh, 21st century, um, and she could not get out of his shadow. And I just, I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm going to try. And I told her, but I remember being like, unfortunately, I don't know if you're going to be able to get to where you went to until he passes. And it was really sad for both of us, but she really understood that. Um, parents just, you know, sometimes they're just harder than life, literally. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Did he pass? No. Thank God. He's still with us. And I, you know, she's always welcome to come back. Uh, and I, I really helped her. But the level of healing that she wants, I genuinely don't know if it's possible. Wow. How are you integrating the coaching into mm -hmm. this? Yes. So now, regardless, if people only want, for instance, one uh, hypnotherapy session, this is what I do. Um, I will, I ask, I break up your life into nine parts, um, and then I go through this with every single person. And then depending on where you want to go afterwards, I go different routes. I'll just tell you the nine parts. So I break up your life into emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, family, financial, career, social, and time. Mm. And then I believe basically you are a Venn diagram and you have all those bubbles sticking out of you. And I say, I ask you basically to go through each of those nine categories and tell me about your desire. Because I believe that desire, which is the want for something in your life, is actually God talking to you. That every time you get a desire, it's God saying to you, you want this, I'm speaking to you. So someone said to me that, well, what if you have an unhealthy desire? I would actually have to go back to the root of what you think you're going to gain from that unhealthy desire, right? And you might come to love or hope, right? So even if you have an unhealthy desire, I would say to someone, follow the trail of what you think that desire is going to give to you. Because that desire, it just, if it's being somehow reprogrammed as unhealthy, it's still coming from a, I'm, I'm saying kosher, but the right, a pure source, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get a little bit blocked and so we rewrite the desire, but the source is actually pure. And so... Anytime you have a desire, if you feel that it's inappropriate, follow the trail of what the emotion you're hoping to get or the purest source of that desire, and it will reroute you. But going back to the nine points, 
desire is the name of the game. And so what I say to people is in those nine categories, what is your desire to change? Are there any desires? And then we break down your life and we say, according to the desire that you have to change, maybe it's all nine categories, maybe it's only one. And then I follow that trail because the desires will lead me to the root of your trauma. Wow. Because it's what you're missing. That's exactly right. Hmm. So are most of your patients finding success rather quickly with hypnotherapy? So it like really what, How many sessions is an average? Right. So it really depends, right? So everything I've ever done, I did on myself first. Um, and so when I started out, I was at a three in every area. What does me, that mean? That means I, I asked you to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. One being my life is a complete shit show. Pardon my French. She did it first. <laughs> I'm falling suit here. <laughs> shit was my favorite word in life. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so, right, my life is a shit show. Or 10, my life is perfect. I don't need anything to change. When I started out my journey, I was at a three in every category. All nine. All nine. Okay. I felt that my life was a complete impending disaster in every area. And I was like, I have to get out of here as fast as I possibly can. And so most of my clients are not even close to that. So I only have one other client that came to me who was equal to where I was. It took her a year and a half um, to fully pull herself out. But uh, she actually wrote on my website and she she says, the, I should just hand out card that says like, I'm a life change. Like, I'm going to change your life. <laughs> like, just hand out cards. <laughs> uh, but like, she was on antidepressants for 25 years. We got her off the antidepressants. Um, she's in a, she wanted a divorce. She's really happily married. Dealt to her husband. We just, we went through, we knocked off all the parts. Um, and so when my client come to me, it can be for one session. But my question is, how much do you want to change your life and how hard are you willing to work? So I have had several clients that I have terminated with um because you're wasting my time i'm expensive and you're not doing the work and so someone would say to me well how do you know if i'm not doing the work because there's an energetic exchange going on so once you go into alignment the universe responds automatically and so things have to right it is a sherlock Holmes novel things have to add up so if you're doing what i'm telling you to do or you're making the necessary changes then things have to follow suit if they're not, then you're not doing it. And I know you're not doing it. And I, it's it's a natural consequence. And so mm. I break it down. Sometimes you might need more time. But what I ask people to do is very hard. And it takes a lot of work. I really... Like what? what? Pardon? Like what? Well, I'm asking you to go into your trauma and change yourself on a fundamental level. You understand? Every time you have a trauma, you create... A, 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 our lives, most people walking around, you are just an amalgamation of a reaction to every trauma you've ever had and you've created a coping mechanism. Mm, so you have to delete all the coping And I'm saying, we're getting rid of all your coping mechanisms and I want you to come as who you're meant to be. Wow. So you have your session. Yes. You get to the root cause. Well, I start, right? So I kind of open up your mind because this is, we are, it's co-active, right? Co-active coaching. We are creating this together. 
I always tell people, it's like, you're blind and I'm I'm seeing eye dog. You have to lead me there. I I am simply following your directive, right? But based on smells, right, or information, right, following the dog analogy, um, I kind of know where I'm supposed to go and not supposed to go. But you have to do the work. I can take you there. I can lead you there. But it's your work that is going to change you. Like, I can lead a horse to water. I can't make it drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after I do those <laughs> nine groups, depending on what people want. So for instance, I have clients who have a very hard time uh, imagining. Um, and so for instance, I just, uh, one, of my, one of my clients, she's a, a cancer patient. Um, she's had her stomach removed. Um, and I just like the love, she's in her 20, just a lovely, lovely person. Um so respectful. I've in, in the beginning, stomach it was it's, it's devastating. Um, in the beginning, when I first started, I just let people call me whenever because I just didn't really have boundaries. It took me a long time to be like, I'm so sorry, you, you can't call me. I'm not going to respond. Uh, but she never did that. She called me about a couple of days ago. It was so unexpected. And it was her mother. And her mother was like, she's hysterical. Um, they have uh, her stomach lining, um, the tissue. It, it um she can't swallow anything they put, took her back in the hospital she has she, they put a feeding tube in her she, she can't calm down like we need we need to call you and so they put me on speaker and I was trying to talk to her and then after about 10 minutes I was like this isn't working she can't talk you know and so I just said I said close your eyes and find the trauma find it inside of you because every time what people don't realize is you're walking energy that energy or that trauma is actually stored in your body and she closed her eyes and she found it. And she just started, I told her literally to surround her with white light. And she just started breathing it outside of herself. And within two minutes, she was okay. Wow. And so again, I just, I talked to her this morning before I came. She's doing better. We're going to have a, a meeting next week. But the, she couldn't, she couldn't get out, right? She was just in a state of complete panic. And that's, I wanted her to be able to just be present and to just feel like she had a semblance of control. Was her trauma the feeding tube? No. Uh, her trauma is no. I mean, yes, that was something new that happened. Oh, 100 percent. Well, I mean, so yeah, I would think that she's now not able to talk, right? So, and so, to me, like her trauma was the feeding tube, maybe, and 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 now losing it that add to further trauma. But as right, what I do, I would say, what's your earliest memory of not being able to use your voice? Mm-hmm. And that's where we would go back to. That's Got a direct it. indicative of someone who really feels like they're stifling me again yeah like they're being muted against the well literally yeah yes okay so was something tied to that oh yeah yeah she has you know what i'm saying and so we're we're on this journey now um or she's on this journey uh i'm a huge brandon bays fan have you uh-huh. Brandon Bayes. No. It's called The Journey. Uh, okay. I highly recommend it. Um, she was diagnosed with a basketball-sized tumor in her stomach and asked the doctor to give her 30 days. A basketball-sized? Tumor. Uh, 30 days to remove it completely. Or she would go in for the elective surgery. She had it removed in 30 days. She did a ton of energy work and removed the entire thing. Um, it's an amazing book. It really taught me a tremendous amount about the ability to heal yourself from within. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't tell people not to go to the doctors, but a lot of my clients who come to me, and this is especially people who are sick with cancer, the first thing I say is I cannot guarantee in any capacity that we are going to heal you from cancer. But what I can guarantee you is that we will really heal you 
on a cellular level, which can only help heal you in every other way imaginable. Mm -hmm. And so I have been getting, um, you know, the cancer community is tight knit. And so they, I started with one person and unwittingly just opened up a gate of people who really are coming. Um, and it's just, the trauma is so evident um, or just, you just break it down and you're like, wow, uh, I see it. And so we just, and they work harder than anyone. I mean, it's it's well, heartbreaking how work. hard they are willing to work. Um, it makes me a little emotional even to talk about it because most people that come, they want to do the work, but they're like, I mean, these, these people are, they are just like. Fighting for their lives. Yeah, literally fighting yeah. for their lives. Um, and so it's really, it's a privilege and an honor um, that they continue to come and want to work with me uh, just because they don't have the time or the luxury of deciding whether or not they liked you, right? Like they, they just say to me flat out, I didn't like the practitioner. I cut that person off. You know what I mean? And I get that. And so I really am deeply, deeply honored that I have been accepted by that community and that people really feel that I'm able to help heal in that arena. Well, I know from my, um, I call it my, uh, I'm like a health doula coach, fake doctor behind the scenes. So yes. Ever since my mom and I had <clears throat> been diagnosed with our brain tumors, oh my God. I started helping people behind the scenes and coaching them through their brain tumor journeys. And then other people with cancer would come into my kind of realm, and I did it for karma points. But um, I would spend a lot of time with them and go through kind of all the things they had to consider, all the different parts of the journey. And then the last one was, what's the emotional component we haven't dealt with here? Mm -hmm. And all of them would sigh instantly and be like, how did you know? I'm like, I just see the pattern with all of us. Yeah. And you know, and it's now widely spoken of, that these traumas embed themselves into us 100%. and they manifest into illness. Yeah. So it only makes sense that if you go into it and try to heal that trauma and do the work that you need to get past those emotions and you can break that kind of up, that it's only going to serve your health. 100%. And I... Did you and your mom get diagnosed at the same time? Almost, That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, yeah. Not to like put a positive spin on this, but what a blessing to go through it with somebody. It was, and it wasn't like a lot of people are like, oh, it must have been so great to have your mom. Yeah. You know, through you know, help you through brain surgery, and I'm like, my mom didn't even know I was in brain surgery. She was asking you to go to sushi dinner. Oh, wow. She later, because she was in radiation, so her brain, yeah. she wasn't herself. Yeah. Um, the blessing was I watched someone go into brain surgery with a smile. The blessing mm -hmm. was I saw someone I loved not cry and not get defeated by a diagnosis where it was terminal. So I learned so much by watching her. But in terms of like having somebody to go through it, yeah. I just went through a pancreas tumor with my best friend who had breast cancer. So it was that was the journey together where we were leaning on each other. But yeah. I wasn't able to do that with my mom. Did you lose your mom? I did eventually, yeah. I'm so sorry. But she got five years. Wow. So it was a miracle. Yeah. And an amazing yeah. miracle. Yes. Um, but I I think, you know, it's it's for sure something that we have not healed in ourselves. No. And most of us, I mean, I know I'm really good at compartmentalizing. I'm really good at kind of surviving and thriving these things. And I just roll right on through. So it's like, oh, beginning of this year, facing death, maybe not going to get to meet my daughter. 
And, you know, within, I say, three days, I had had surgery, healed, going, moving on. And now I'm like, okay, that feels like it was 20 years ago already. But I know I have to deal with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. right? <laughs> so it's funny that you're here because I'm sitting here. I'm like, hmm, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Because I, I was so. like, I don't know what modality is right now because I've done so many different things. And none of them have felt necessarily the right thing to go to next. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. God yeah. brings you what you need when you need it. hundred percent. Like I'll actually tell you a very funny story that happened to me. I There were two clients that I was actively trying to heal. They were not hard cases and I just wasn't making the breakthroughs that I wanted. And so anytime I'm not helping you, it's me. I know that flat out. Like if you're not getting where you need to go and you're doing the work, then I am somehow blocked. And so I And you can tell the difference between the client not doing the work and you absolutely absolutely and so I really sat down and I just said what's the missing piece and then all of a sudden it's I always just like my conscious talk to me but I would just say like I don't know some kind of conduit it went you're not working out and you're not in your body or your two fittest client and I went see something that you haven't healed yourself that's what I was just saying yeah you know, like, yeah, well, because it's an energy that's exactly exchange, right. yeah. So, either it's something you haven't healed or something you don't want to face. Yes. Wow, and so I went, Fuck, I have to do that. Hopefully, we can get you to do a Patreon with our, our inner community. I think it would be really cool. Everyone's everyone needs healing, and like, I everyone. loved what you said the big T and the little T, yes, because I think a lot of women we have a, um, a really terrible habit of minimizing. Because I'm like, well, I wasn't sexually assaulted. Yes. My traumas can't be as bad as yours, yes. right? But we all have them. And and they are all, in a sense, relative because it's your pain and it's what you went through and everybody's got their own thing. Mm. So um, it doesn't mean that we don't need healing and it doesn't mean that we don't deserve it. Yeah. And I really believe, I believe in karma, right? So nothing is better or worse. It's what you need to heal yourself right and so I never look at someone and be like oh my gosh well my trauma is worse it's that was my karma that was my my body my journey needed that trauma or that experience to get me to that place if I meet someone else who has a different trauma or only lowercase t trauma I just think what a blessing that you've been so open or for whatever reason that's just not your karma but I know I don't scale it like, oh, well, I have this and you don't. It's every single person you meet has trauma. It's you're not alive if you have not experienced some form of trauma. It's just the ability. It was funny. I was actually with my daughter this morning and I, in the past 24 hours, three separate people have gone out of their way. It would take them an extra 30 seconds, each person to help me out. Not only did not help me out, made my life harder. And I was like, what is going on here? This this is my life usually flows very smoothly. And so I actually was able to trace it back to the other day. I was running to a meeting and this construction worker just was like in my way. And instead of just being polite, I said something and I was like, oh, I apologize to the construction worker. Like literally in my head on the spot, I was like, I'm sorry for making your day bad. I was just having a bad day. It's probably why that all happened. But I had a moment of deep realization, which is when people are being mean, they're just afraid. Yeah. It's not you. It, they are in their own trauma and their own fear, and you're just on the receiving end of it. Like me, I was afraid I was going to be late to that next meeting. I took it out on the construction worker, and suddenly, all those three people that have not been nice to me in the 24 hours, I just, 
instantly forgave them and was like, yeah, of course, you're just in a space of fear because we'll all have moments of just deep panic and fear. It's trauma. Mm. Yeah. I had a moment this morning where I was recounting different things in, in my life or different people who have done harm. And I was like, well, you believe that people aren't just one moment in life. Yeah. So they made a poor choice and they did, you know, a not nice thing, but they did other really nice things throughout, you know, time. So we can't just judge people on one moment where even if they were explosive and nasty and cruel and whatever, um, you're not, and, and then the same thing for you, you are not just that one bad moment. Well, but here, take it even a step further, that the person who's actually assaulted me was in a weird way my greatest gift. He unleashed something. And so, right, I have the dualism of giving him back that experience and saying, you know, you're going to receive your own karma, but also, it, and you chose to be the messenger, right? But at the same time, a deep sense of gratitude in a very bizarre way that because of that, I became a completely different person. And so it's not only that they had a bad day, it, look at the positive, look at how it changed you as a person. And that's what it's meant that past, present, and future all align, that God or the universe, whatever you believe in, right? See the world so clearly that every person that comes at you or interacts with you in real time is molding you into the best version of yourself in any given moment, should you choose to take that route. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because they're teaching you different things about yourself, That's right? Exactly. Like I had a friend who broke my heart and I instantly was able to say your loss, which is not normal. And I was able to to have self-worth in that moment where normally I would be like trying to defend myself or trying to figure out how to fix it. I was like, no, you were lost and maybe you're not meant to be in this next chapter of my life and I wish you well and that's it. But I grew from that experience. And let me ask you a different question. Have you had anyone break your heart since? Yes. You have? Oh, uh, no, he was the worst. Right. Because you actively aligned and healed yourself in real time. You healed all past traumas. You understand? Yeah. In that moment that you aligned yourself, you went back and healed that original trauma. You chose to be the best version of yourself from a genuine place. And you healed both him and you. That's the really cool part is when you heal yourself, you're a mirror to other people. And so if you heal that mirror, then when that person comes back to you, their mirror gets healed as well. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a journey, this thing called life. It's a wild one. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for for chatting with me this morning and um and sharing all this cool work. It was an honor to be on. Thank you. Of course. Like I said, hopefully we'll get you in on the Patreon. Um I think that'll be really powerful, right? And Natasha's just nodding. She's like, "Yes. I'm not speaking today." Um okay, cool. Well, we um we will make that happen. Okay. And uh yeah, I'd love Ooh. to I'd love to learn more about how you do your sessions and stuff like that. Cause I think, I think it would be really cool. My husband was like, I think you have, have some stuff to still clear out. I'm like, yes, I am aware. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you've had a second um, experience with cancer would lead me to that conclusion. Right. Well, the first one was benign. The brain tumor is benign. Yeah. This ironically is pancreas cancer. Okay. But it was so 
um, contained. Okay. They were able to get it out. And it hadn't spread anywhere, thank God. Okay. So, um, and I, I ran some blood and I have like an enormous amount of natural killer cells. And the woman was like, cancer can't live in your body. Yeah. And I'm like, I believe that. Um, but it, there are these health traumas that keep, I was diagnosed with diabetes last summer. That was traumatic. I'm like, why all these health things? And I know, I know I'm a communicator. I know that part of my journey has, it's pushed me into this place mm -hmm. where I got away from entertainment news, which was never really a goal or a dream of mine. It was yeah. just something I was good at and flowed for so long with, but, um, you know, this is such a passion now and I love helping people with their the health. Best, right? Yeah. It really is. I know. Um, it's like a drug. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So it doesn't mean that I still don't want to do other fun things. Um, but this is this has led me here and I am such an investigator and I am such a seeker. So I'm learning things and helping people kind of accelerate their journeys with it. But you know, I don't want any more. I'm like 100%. no boss, dues paid in full, I have a daughter coming, and so I keep focusing in my meditations on like full mind, body and soul healing every single day. Hmm. So that's my goal. Good. I will give you a way that I really good friend of mine gave it me when I started my journey. And she said, make sure you're healthy before you become holy. Healthy before you come holy? Holy before you oh, become holy. Yes. It really impacted how I do things. So explain that. So you said you do meditations every day. Mm -hmm. That's a holy, right? And it's great. But what are the healthy steps that need to start being taken for you to really go back and heal yourself in a trauma, whatever you believe is happening or think that maybe your husband's hinting that have been avoided, right? Don't stop the meditations per se, but shift your energy into things that are more healthy based and the holy will naturally come. Mm, okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I've had really incredible success with the meditations. Yeah. Yeah. No, I everything I see comes. Same. Which is so powerful. Yes. Like, unbelievable yes um but i i think it's definitely hit a snag since the diabetes i was like slow to get back and then i was kind of back i wasn't where i was before mm -hmm. where i was before i was not even here i was floating in a whole other place it was amazing mm -hmm. and then um and then this happened in january and i was like so now i'm trying to get back on my feet with it all but i that resonates with me because I am not clicked in the way I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So probably I know that there's something else. Yeah. I mean, it's just not like, I also went on a just crazy holy journey. Like I'll tell you, you're like the fifth person I'll tell the story to because it's like, I sound insane when I say it, but like, who cares? I uh, was in this healing pod with all these women and the woman who was running it was like, we were all meditating and she started saying like, invite in and she was like asking people to invite in all these weird things that I don't really believe in and I was like I don't really believe in any of that but I was like I do believe in my guardian angel so I'm gonna invite in my guardian angels next thing I know I'm like I can feel wings poking out of my back I freak out I like log out of the, the meditation thing I'm like and in my left shoulder blade it's excruciating pain I can actually feel a wing like poking through my back. I call oh my, my mom. I'm like hysterical. I'm like, I don't know like what is going on. And so she has me do some like breathing exercises. She doesn't really believe in any of this stuff, but she was like, I'm along for the ride type thing. And then months later, I go to a healer. I'll send you a kid best. She's ridiculous. Um, 
and she goes through each of your chakras and she gets to my chest and she goes, I can see your wings and the one on the left side broken. And I was like, what? Fuck what you about? Like, you can see them? She's like, yeah, they're di they're geometrically shaped, perfect mathematical pattern. But I've never seen a broken one before. And I was like, where the fuck am I? Like, wow. Was this, how, how did it break? Uh, she doesn't know. But she went, she does this thing where she goes into your highest self and like holds down the matter and she picked it. And my back hasn't hurt since. But it happened in that event. Yes. It broke there. Yes. So like a hundred percent, but my husband gets crazy when I because I like you, I can just manifest and do crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my husband's so used to it yeah. now. Like, no, it's my husband also. But weird shit, I resuscitate insects from death, and like now I just now because they're like at first they weren't believing me. Yeah. I had a dead grasshopper yeah. in front of me, yeah. like plunged in the pool, went underneath. My husband had to go rescue him, brought him back, and I'm like, behold. A dead grasshopper. Yeah. I will now proceed to bring him back to life. Yeah. Totally like not yeah. believing it's yeah. gonna really yeah. happen, but yeah. I was like, I'm gonna do it yeah. for shits and giggles. And I literally was giving the guy chest compressions. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he has a hard shell. I can't get chest compressions. Oh, I'll go in his armpits, but you have to go in really delicately so you don't break his legs because then how can he jump around? So I went in between his his armpits and I started doing little compressions. Yeah. He came back to life. And it was like, their faces were on the, on the floor. My husband keeps saying, do not tell people these stories. They're not going to believe you. They're going to think you're a fucking crazy person. I'm like, but it happens. So 100%. one time yeah. I interviewed Chris Pratt. Yeah. You knew who Chris Pratt is, yeah. right? So I was interviewing for Jurassic Park and the interview ends. I'm like, shit. And he goes, what? And I go, I really wanted to ask you about your insect collection. He goes, why? I said, well, my husband told me never to tell anybody this, but I resuscitate and have resuscitated a cricket, a grasshopper. He's like, what? Me too. I did a black, uh, a yellow jacket and a, a cricket. And I go, wow, so we're not alone in this. And then everyone in the room is like, are you guys high? Did you guys smoke out before? And I go, no. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm very used to yeah. that too. Yeah. So it's just, right? It's opening yourself up to the real belief that you can. Mm -hmm. And then you can. I believe we can do anything. I believe we can do anything yeah. also, literally. Yeah. I try to levitate too. <laughs> really? So I will tell you. I try to do all the craziest things. This was my favorite one. I only had eight categories and time was my ninth one. Because I, what I do is I have you manifest in each area. And I, about two times a year, I sit down and I manifest in all areas. And so I sat and I manifested all eight areas and I didn't feel good. And I was like, why don't I feel good? And then I realized time had to be my ninth category. That Saturday, because it's my Sabbath. I woke up, all the clocks in my house stopped, except for one. And it wasn't a blackout. It was literally the universe. Because I basically figured out we are godlike. God literally created us in his image. God is outside of time. We are as well. You literally have the ability to go outside of time. And that's what it was. All wow. everything just stopped and it was like, you are correct. You can actually go outside of time. My daughter taught me that. Cause when I play with her, if it's just me and her, no time, time slows down. Yeah. And I enter her perception of time. And that's when I realized time is actually fungible. Well, time is such handcuffs for that's us. That's exactly right. Like I just felt handcuffs when I saw you and your daughter playing. Yes. I saw freedom and then I was like, oh, but we're always like, we don't have time. And then we're just handcuffed. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. That's why I like waking up early now because I don't feel like I have handcuffs. So exactly I wake up right. at sunrise. Yeah, because nobody else is... no handcuffs. I just get to flow in my speed and time. But why? Without racing. Why? Why what? Why do you feel that way? Harness the why. Why? Why? 
why do I feel free? Yes. Because I don't have to worry about time. But why? I don't know. There's nobody else there with you. It's Langoliers, right? Stephen King. Well, I have the dogs. What? I have Kevin. He comes. Right? But there's Once, nobody needing anything. That's exactly really right. Me, yeah. Once other people come in and invade your perception of reality, you lose control over what time and time really isn't. Mm. But if you can let go of the expectation, expectation is just premeditated resentment. I heard that quote once and I was like, that is my, that is, I love it. Expectation is just premeditated resentment. Yes. Write that down. <laughs> we need that. Right? Wow. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That was one of the things I wrote on my, I wrote a mouse pad. I designed one after brain surgery and I wrote <laughs> no expectations. Yes. Because I was always just expecting too much. Yes. And then being let down. Yes. Yes. Expectations is just premeditated resentment. Good. And so that's what all time is. You have an expectation of time and then you just become deeply resentful. Yes. yes. Oh, I was always angry, always yes. stressed. Yes. Yeah. 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 Everything's a call time. Yes. Everything. And there's so much rigidity. Yes. When I started like loosening up and being like, everything's going to be fine. Life got so much better. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't fall back. Yeah. Um, but wow. So cool. Right? Yeah. It's funny. I actually knew that I, I'm like embedded in this when Natasha said to me, can you come at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning? And I was like, I actually really think I can. Like my husband has to go to work. I have to get my daughter to school. And I just wanted to make sure. But a, me a year ago, everybody, my, my daughter would have been crying. I would have been pushing her out the door. My husband would be like yelling at me. Got everyone dressed, fed, ready. And like, I gave my husband a big hug and kiss before I left. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I really was just happy and relaxed when I got here 20 minutes early. Like, me a year ago, not a snowball's chance in hell. Yeah. It not changed for me after hell. meditating. Yes. When I started meditating, I, um, time didn't matter anymore. Right. Now, like I said, I've kind of fallen in and out of it. Yes. Not because I don't, I'm not disciplined because yes. I'm super disciplined, but because of the stuff that's happened, you know, you're pulling yourself up off the floor again yes. kind yes. of shit. Yes. But, um, but that really, for so long, like, even if I woke up at the same time mm -hmm. as I used to, I would be ready so much earlier and so much easier. Yes. Because I wasn't looking at it like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. So cool. We need to do a whole episode on time. Yeah. Natasha, great pick. Molly, I know, came from you. She's amazing. And I can't wait to work with her. And I think that this is kind of the next thing for me. I could feel it instantly when she was talking. I said, I think this is what I need to do next. Have you done it with her before? So she gifted me one session. It was amazing. Like she said to me, we, you know, we went through the nine categories. And then she said to me, like, she asks, like, where you are at in your life. What's your desire to change? And how much do you believe that you can change that? So there were those two questions on every, those three questions on every area of your life. And I selected mine and she was like, okay. And then this memory came up that I haven't thought about in a really long time. And um, cause she said, think about something in the past or whatever. And there's just like this thing. I was like, this is so bizarre cause it doesn't really relate but I'm gonna tell it to you anyway. She goes, exactly. Now the reason that you have this thing <laughs> is because um, I think I might have shared it before on the show or shared it with you at some point. My brother passed away when I was much younger 
and uh, you I didn't was, share that with me uh, I was four he was seven. Oh wow and she said that he is like completely enmeshed into my being we are like like one and it's blocking me like not in a positive way so she made me do this decoding and it felt like I was pulling out like these vines out of my body whoa and she was like you're not done yet I can still see there's one there on your right hand side there's this like she was telling me like where to go and pull these things out of my body wow it was amazing I felt, how long ago was that I want to say it was like maybe three months two months ago three months ago oh wow and like she's right like when you do this stuff the things align like life aligns and so many things have happened since then well you're here exactly Wow. I think it was, and I think it was like a couple days after that, that Kevin called me. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm. That's so cool. But yeah, she's amazing. I, I feel so blessed to have met her and I met her through crisis. Like someone connected me with her when I was going through a crisis, not for healing or for anything like that. It was just like, oh, I think you'll really benefit from knowing this person. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, she's so lovely, but also so powerful. I can feel her power. Yeah. Um, so I can't wait to get to work with her. Anyway, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Um, and we will hopefully be able to get her to do a Patreon episode. And so, again, just a, another example of the incredible access that you get in the Patreon for $10 a month. I know that it can be nominal for others and it can be a lot for others, so I don't disregard that. But it is uh, a really cool community be, to be a part of. And I think nowadays we need community more than ever. So you'll meet a lot of really nice people in there. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.